The text for our consideration this morning comes from Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9. I'm mainly going to concentrate, though, on verses 4 to 7, but I'm going to read verses 4 to 9. Um, You're probably familiar with this passage, and as I was preparing it, it was a very challenging week, a lot of actual anxiousness. So it's interesting that every so often when you're preparing or studying through the Word, maybe you've experienced this, a specific passage, you start to be challenged, not only with conviction of sin, but also with what this is teaching us and the situations the Scripture is teaching us about. So with that said, let's hear from the Word of God, from Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known. To everyone, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And this is the word of God. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. May we hear from you today, Lord. Speak to us what you want us to hear. Change us. Don't only let us hear this. Let us be changed by your truth, by your word. Let us come away from here loving you more, loving each other more. Take away our fears, our anxieties, because your word is true. You sent your son to die for us, and he lives now, and the Lord is near. So open our eyes and our hearts and our minds and our ears to receive what you have to say. I pray everything in the saving name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You all have bills to pay. You have mouths to feed. Maybe you have projects and papers due. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you need to take care of others. You have people you love who are dying. You have relatives and friends who you worry about. Maybe at work it's not the nicest environment to work in. Maybe your boss isn't the greatest. Children, maybe you have friends or people or kids, other kids you know, who make fun of you, pick on you. Maybe family life for you, even as a child, is difficult. To add to this, we turn on the news, we look on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, what have you, and we see... Wars, we see political strife, we see riots, we see misinformation, we see endless turmoil. What is there to do? How can we stop it all? How can we get through without being nervous, without being fearful, without being anxious? Where can peace be found in this crazy world? Where can our souls find this peace? In our passage today, we have the Apostle Paul writing this letter to the church in Philippi. In the book of Acts, we see the apostle, he preached in Philippi, and this first woman was saved, Lydia. 
We also see Paul when he's in prison in Philippi. They sing hymns while they're in prison. And they're freed by God. And the jailer, before he's about to kill himself, says, what must I do to be saved? When he notices that Paul was freed. And that jailer ends up being saved and his whole household baptized. Paul writes this letter from a Roman prison. He begins the letter, letter encouraging them, telling them that he's praying for them. He is thankful for their partnership and their support in the gospel. And throughout the letter, we see Paul. We see his great love for this church. We see that they share the same love for him as he mentions them and their generosity towards him. In the opening of this letter, Paul tells them about his prayers. He says in verse 9 in chapter 1, And it is my prayer that your love and my, may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and, be so, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The introduction to this letter will lead us to the passage we will discuss today as it is applied by Paul in chapter 4. In our text, we read Paul tells the saints in Philippi to rejoice. In fact, in this passage, this is not the first time that he tells them to rejoice. There's over 16 times that he tells them to rejoice. He then goes on to tell them not to be anxious. He tells them not to overly worry. Something tells me that as I open this sermon today and I mention these things, paying bills, jobs, sickness, that some of you might have been a little anxious. Something tells me that you came in here already feeling anxious. In fact, when I prepared this sermon, I was feeling anxious. My computer stopped working. and I wasn't sure if any of my files were going to be saved. It caused me a little bit of anxiousness. It was very challenging. And Paul writes to the Philippians, he tells them to rejoice. He tells them to rejoice when they feel like it. No, he tells them at all times, in every situation, to rejoice. How is this possible? Does the apostle know your circumstances? How can he tell us, through God, to rejoice at all times? He doesn't know what it's like to be you. You're right. He doesn't know what it's like to be you, and I don't know what it's like to be you either. But the apostle knows what it's like to be human, going through difficult times. And more importantly, he knows the God who knows you, who also knows what it's like to be human, who suffered and died for your sins. And Christians, this God knows you. The God of the universe knows you. As we walk through this passage today, we will do so in four points. Usually it's three points in most sermons. I'm giving you the extra fourth point. First, rejoice. This is in verses 4 to 5. The apostle in this letter calls the people of Philippi to rejoice. Second, relax. The apostle tells the people not to be anxious. This is in verse 6. And then we have request. The apostle tells the saints to let their requests be known to God in verse 7. And finally, at the end of verse 7, we have the result the peace of God. And most of all through this, I want you to remember, you can rejoice always because you have peace. You have peace now. Not just any peace. You have the peace of God. You have the peace of God that is with God. So let's begin. 
first point, rejoice. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. In every life we have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. It got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry. Be happy. The landlord says your rent is late. He might have to litigate. But don't worry. Be happy now. Now, I didn't write that song. Most of you know I didn't write that song. It's catchy. I wish I wrote it. I probably would have made a lot of money. But I didn't write that song. It's from 1988. Don't worry, be happy. Written and recorded by Bobby McFerrin. It's a very catchy tune. If you've listened to it, and now you're going to sing it probably the rest of the day. <laughs> but I remember as a kid listening to that song. And although it's not written as a Christian song, there is some truth to what Bobby McFerrin is talking about here. Rejoice sometimes when you feel like it. No, rejoice always, Paul writes. No matter what your circumstances are, rejoice always. And here's the big difference between the Bobby McFerrin song and what Paul is talking about. Paul is not talking about an empty rejoicing. He's talking about rejoicing in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord who has saved you. As Christians, we have every reason to rejoice always. Paul writes, before he closes his letter in verse uh, verse 10, chapter 4, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. For that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation that I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This last verse is very popular, especially among athletes. Some famous athletes actually have verse 413 written on their sneakers. But Paul here is not talking about winning a championship. Paul is in prison. He is in need. Often in those times when people were in prison, they weren't supplied food by the government. Taxpayers weren't bringing them food. They had to have friends and family who would bring food to them. Paul here rejoices in the Lord because his brothers and sisters in Christ were concerned for his needs. But he goes on to say that whether his physical needs are met or if they're not, he is content. He is happy. He can rejoice. Why? Because he can live or without because it is Christ who gives him strength. So you can live with or without whether you have, whether you don't have. Because if you're a Christian, it is Christ who strengthens you. Where are you lacking? Are you worried about paying bills? Are you worried about what you will eat? Are you worried about a vehicle? Are you worried about where you will stay? Are you worried about who's going to be president? Are you worried about where your children will be? We all need things. We all want things. But with or without them, Christian, the apostle tells us to rejoice always. He's not saying, don't worry, be happy, although we should be happy. He's saying so much more. He is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. You are in Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Our greatest need 
is forgiveness of sins. And you have that. Your sins are forgiven. You can do all things. You can go through all circumstances. Because Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, dwells in you now. So you can do all things. You can have. You cannot have. You can be sick. You can be healthy. Christ is with you. You lack food. Jesus Christ dwells in you. Your sins are forgiven. You lack shelter. Jesus dwells in you. He is your shelter. Your sins are forgiven. You will worry about all the things of life. Jesus Christ is your comfort. Your sins are forgiven. Paul is in prison. His freedom to go anywhere he wants has been taken away. But he is free in Christ. The Son has set him free. He is free indeed because his sins are forgiven. He is not a prisoner to sin. He is not heading to damnation in eternal hell. Paul is free in Christ, whether he lives or whether he dies. Paul writes again in the beginning of Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor, labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ because of my coming to you again. Paul rejoices in the Lord. He is grateful for the help of the saints, and he knows he is being used of the Lord in his circumstances, regardless of where he is. He knows all is working for his deliverance. Christ will be honored through him, whether in his life or in his death. This imprisoned man can rejoice. And he knows because he's in prison, those around him are hearing the gospel. And they're seeing the way this imprisoned man acts differently than the world. Can you rejoice in your circumstances? Can you rejoice in the Lord in your suffering? Yes. Yes, you can. You are in Christ. God is in you. We can rejoice with Paul. Paul says something else next in this passage. Verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Not only are we to rejoice, but also be reasonable. Some translations may say, let your gentle spirit be known to all. It could also mean your big-heartedness, your forbearance, your yieldedness, your kindliness, your gentleness, or generosity, to name a few. After saying to rejoice in the Lord always, Paul gives this command. Why would this command be here? Why, after calling the people in Philippi to rejoice, would he call them to be reasonable, to be gentle? Christians, let me ask you this. How do you react when you're stuck in traffic? How do you react when you're at a crowded food store? How do you react when somebody offends you? How do you react when maybe your boss comes to you at the end of the day, you're ready to go home, and he says, we need you to stay? 
How do you react when someone's dog bites you in the hand? That happened to me this week. I'm okay. Are you reasonable? Are you gentle? Are you kind? Do you demonstrate Christ in your reactions? Is it known to all those around you in those circumstances that you rejoice in the Lord always? Is it known to your children, parents, that you rejoice in the Lord? If you've been around somebody, somebody comes up to you who's been smoking a cigar. You didn't see them smoking the cigar, but they come up to you. Chances are you're going to know that they've been smoking a cigar. You're going to smell it. You're going to smell it on their clothes, on their body, in their hair. Do people smell Christ on you? When they're around you, do they know that you've been with Christ? Are you reasonable? Are you Christ-like? Are you gentle? Are you kind? Are you generous in character? Is this the character that you even exhibit in fellowship? Do people even in the church know that you've been with Christ because you're gentle, you're kind, there's unity? Or are you short-tempered? Do you snap at people? Do you get road rage? Are you impatient? There's no need for a Christian to be anything but reasonable. Yes, you may still be impatient at times, but strive to be reasonable. Strive to be gentle. Strive to be kind. Strive to be like Christ. Because that shows that you are rejoicing in the Lord. Paul writes this earlier in the letter. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. You are a work in progress. But strive to be like Christ. Next, the text says, the Lord is at hand. Some commentators differ on this. It could be two possible meanings. First, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near to you right now, which is true. This is important even going into the next section of the passage. The Lord is near to you. He hears your prayers. He knows our infirmities. He knows what we need. He's never distant from the Christian. Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, 5. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The Lord is with you, Christian. We can keep our conduct reasonable. People see Christ in us because he is near. The Lord is at hand. This could also refer refer to his future return. He will return, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and all those who are alive, and all who are in Christ will meet him in the air. The new heavens and the new earth is coming. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. But his return will not be good for his enemies, nor our enemies. There will be judgment. This judgment is not a court trial, it is a sentencing The verdict is guilty. The penalty is eternal life in the lake of fire. Therefore, we can let our conduct be reasonable, even to those who come against us. We can be reasonable because it is God who judges, not us. We are to be gentle and kind. We are not the judge. And knowing the Lord is at hand brings us to our second point. Relax. Paul writes in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Paul writing to a church in Philippi 
This church was facing many challenges, persecution, false teachers coming in to lead people away from the true word. They were worried about Paul who was imprisoned. But Paul tells them not to be anxious about anything. Do not be worried about everything. Don't care so much. So what do you do when you have a lot on your plate? What do you do when you look at bad news on social media? What do you do when our government makes ungodly choices? Do you worry? Are you anxious what will happen? Do you whine and complain? What should we do? Here the apostle gives us more than advice. He speaks on behalf of God. He first comforts us by looking back at the previous verse. He says, the Lord is at hand. And now the command to not be anxious. The Lord is at hand. Don't worry. The Lord is with you. Don't worry. The Lord is coming. Don't worry. Knowing we are to rejoice always. Knowing we are to let our reasonableness be known to all men. Knowing that our Lord is near. We are not to be anxious. We are not to worry. We are not to act like the world when the world sees trouble. We are not to seek relief for our anxiety and worry in things of the world. We are not to turn to drugs, to alcohol, to, to working extra hours, to anything else that tries to numb the pain and anxiety. But what should you do? How do we not be anxious for everything in this sinful world? How are we not to be worried, to be troubled, to be distracted by life's turmoil? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Paul tells us, and this is our third point, the request. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The apostle tells us here how not to be anxious. This isn't a mystery. This isn't something we have to look for. It's right here in the word. How do we not be anxious? He tells us, rejoice always, don't be anxious. And he doesn't just say, peace out. He gives us the instructions here. God, through Paul, is telling us how not to be anxious about anything. Here it is. In everything, this is in all your circumstances. If you have much, if you don't have anything, if you're healthy, if you're sick, if you have sorrow, even if you have joy, in everything, by prayer and supplication, prayer is going to God directly. Just think of that, Christian. We have access to God. We can go to him Directly, Right now, we can go to him directly. We don't need a human mediator. We don't need a priest to confess our sins to. We can go to him directly. Yes, we can ask our brothers and sisters to pray for us and intercede for us that way. But we can go to God yes. on our own. Yes. He hears us because you are in Christ. He hears us because he hears his son. You are in Christ. You can enter into his presence. The Lord is near. Come to him in prayer. Adore him. Give him praise in prayer. Seek him where he can be found and worship him. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. You can make your supplication. You can make your entreaty. You can call on him with what you need. You can cry to him at all times. With a small need or a great need, you can enter the presence of God. God hears you. The Lord is near. With thanksgiving. When you do enter his presence, come and be thankful. Come into the presence of God with gratitude. Thank him for all he has done. He has blessed you. No matter what your circumstances are, God has breath blessed you. You have life. You have breath. 
Most of all, you have salvation. Your sins are forgiven. Come and be thankful. Let your requests be made known to God. What is it that you need? What is it that you want? Let God know. Ask Him for what you need. Not just once. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep going to God. I saw it printed up here before. Ask. Seek. Knock. There's no need to be anxious about anything. The God of the universe, who has shown his love for you by sending his son to die for you, hears your requests. He hears what you ask for. He knows what you need. And even when we think we can't pray, Paul writes this in Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we all But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God, the Holy Spirit, helps us pray. What is there to be anxious for? What is there to be anxious for? God helps us pray. Someone else in the Bible tells us not to be anxious. You may know who it is. Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus tells his listeners, first, not to store up treasure on earth. Then he tells them you can't serve two masters. You can't serve money and God. And what do we worry most about? Money. But Matthew 6, verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day for its own troubles. Jesus tells us not to be anxious. This isn't just Paul. This is God himself, God in the flesh, telling us not to be anxious. God cares for the birds. He cares for the flowers. Christian, God loves you. He loves you more than them. He didn't send his son to die for the flowers, for the birds. He did it for you. God our Father has given you everything. He has clothed you in his righteousness. What more clothing can we need than the righteousness of Christ? He takes off his robe and puts it on us. What more can we want? The Lord is our shepherd. We have no lack. But let me be honest and transparent with you. I'm just as anxious as anyone These words that I prepare to preach have to go into my heart as well. There's times when I know 
I know this remedy. I know what God says, how not to be anxious. Yet I'm anxious. So I'm preaching this to myself as well. We need to go to the Lord more. Not to earn his love, but because he gives it to us. He tells us right here. I was going to title this sermon, Stop It. (laughs) Pray, have peace. Because in short, that's what Paul's writing here. That's what Jesus says. Stop it. Don't be anxious. Pray. Come to me. I give you peace. What God wants you to hear is this invitation. The door is open. There's the way out of anxiousness. The door is open. It is laid before you. We go to the Lord. We can go on our knees. You can pray anywhere you're at. You don't have to be in a certain position. You can go to the Lord in prayer. Pray without ceasing. Just pray to him. The door is open. Stop being anxious. Pray. And what will happen? Here's our last point. The result. Point four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your reasonableness, gentleness, let people see that you are kind. Remember the Lord is near. Don't be anxious for anything at all. But for everything, seek the Lord. Now we have verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Have you ever been in an argument with somebody that was left unresolved? And then maybe one day you were able to resolve that. You offended somebody, they offended you. There was tension. You avoided them. And then one day you came together, cleared the air, and you had peace. Maybe you're actually, and this is a side note, not forgiving somebody right now. So I say as soon as you can, forgive them. Because then that will cause you anxiety. If you have not forgiven somebody else, you're holding on to that, that's going to cause you anxiety. So make peace as soon as you can. But that is not the peace Paul is talking about. You didn't offend your friend. You weren't offended by a friend. You offended God. You offended the God of the universe with your sin. You offended the holy and righteous one who is just. And again, the penalty for sin is hell. It's the lake of fire. Sinners are enemies of God. God has no peace with his enemies. Yet Christians, this says, you have the peace of God. This peace is a wholeness. It is a completeness. It is the opposite of what our sin, sin brings. Our sin brings brokenness. But here we have what the Old Testament refers to as shalom. It is as something has been destroyed, and now all its parts are put back together perfectly. It's a wholeness, complete peace. How can you have this kind of peace? How can you have the peace of God? It is because you have peace with God. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, by grace through faith in what God has done for you in Christ through his death and resurrection and his life right now and forever, you have peace with God. Can you believe that? You have peace with a holy God, a righteous God, a just God, who should destroy us. Yet, if you are in Christ, you have peace, perfect wholeness with God. This truth should guard our hearts and our minds. I can't understand it. I don't expect anyone to understand this. This is 
beyond understanding. But we can rejoice always because you have peace with God. You can be gentle with everyone, even those who want to harm you, because you have peace with God. You deserve wrath, but you have peace with God. You have no need to be anxious about anything. You have peace with God. He knows. <laughs> peace with God, right there. And this is the great thing. We don't earn this peace. We can't do anything to earn this peace. God gives you this peace. He gives you his own peace. And he lavishes upon you, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. One commentator writes of this. This sweet peace originates in God, who himself possesses it in his own being. He is glad to impart it to his children. It is, therefore, the gift of God's love. And not only, he not only gives it, he also maintains it at every step. Hence, it has every right to be called the peace of God. It is founded on grace. It is merited for believers by Christ. Peace is the smile of God reflected in the soul of the believer. I love that. Peace is the smile of God reflected in the soul of the believer. It is the heart's calm after Calvary's storm. It is the firm conviction that he who spared his own son will surely also, along with him, freely give us all things. Do you understand this piece? Do you get it? Again, I, I, it's beyond my understanding. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my law thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. We have a peace that never ends. It is like a river that flows into an ocean and its waves of love, grace, and mercy keep crashing on us. The peace of God gives us strength to say, as the hymn writer says, it is well with my soul. Let me remind you again what Paul writes here. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Christians, you don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be anxious. There's no need to overly worry. Yes, we should be concerned about things and diligent to get them done, not just sit back and, and let things happen. But we need to trust in the Lord. Trust in him for our salvation and seek his kingdom and his righteousness. If you haven't trusted in Christ, let me tell you this truth. Your anxiety will build. It will build. And you might say, I don't have Jesus, but I have all this joy. I don't worry. I'm happy. Well, let me tell you, it might be fine for you in this life, but the next you will have anxiety. You will cry out, woe is me, but there will be no relief. But with Christ, there is relief. There's relief for all our anxiety. All unnecessary worry, Christ takes upon himself. There is a way. There's the truth and there's the life. And that is only in Jesus Christ. Let me end with my favorite promise that Jesus says to his disciples in John 16, 33. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. There's that peace again. Jesus saying, you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. 
We know that. We experience that. We will have that. But Jesus says, take heart. Be of good courage. Be of good cheer. He says, I have overcome the world. Christian, it is well with your soul. It is well with your soul. Jesus has overcome the world. He's overcome all the troubles that you've experienced. He has overcome. We can rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. We can rejoice. So stop it. Rejoice. Be reasonable. Pray. What do you have now? What do you have now that can never be taken away? You have the peace of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I cannot comprehend how you can forgive us, how you can give us peace, your peace. I don't get it, but I know it's true. Your word is true. It says it right in your word. You've given us peace. Father, you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again. He's coming again. The Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. We wait for that day. We long for that day, Lord. But meanwhile, while we're still on this earth, let us be reasonable. May your spirit continue to do a work in us. People may see that we know Christ. Maybe they ask us, how are you living differently? How are you so reasonable in this situation? How are you not anxious? We have the answer, Lord. We know Christ. We know your son. So may we go away from here today, not anxious, But when we do get anxious, and it'll happen, we do. We come to you in prayer, in supplication, in thanksgiving. Lord, thank you so much for everything. We can be here for days thanking you, Lord. Thank you for every moment, every breath, and every new life you've given us. Save more, Lord. If there's anybody here in the sound of my voice today that isn't saved, Lord, do that work in them. May they not be anxious anymore. May they come to you in prayer and give it all to you. Thank you, Lord. May we continue to praise you today. Sing it as well with my soul, Lord. In Jesus' holy name, amen.